we are seeing first signs that we will be successful in addressing climate change. And we are seeing that for the past three years, global greenhouse gas emissions did not increase. They remain steady. Of course, we have to reduce them drastically in order to successfully stop climate change. But the fact that they didn't rise for the last three years is already a very positive message. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Marcella Cavallero, Esri Manager of National Government Emerging Business, and I'll be your host for today. You just heard Felix Finkbeiner, founder of Plant for the Planet, remind us that climate change measures have already been effective in slowing carbon production and that tree planting has the potential to help reverse the world's most pressing ecological crisis. Finkbeiner's One Trillion Tree Planting Campaign has been instrumental in mobilizing a global movement whose positive impact will be felt for decades to come. Here, Esri Marketing Programs lead Ed Loker and Finkbeiner discuss specific steps businesses and governments can take to accelerate climate justice and the healing of the planet. Well, Felix, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I think we're just going to jump right in. Back in 2007, when you were just nine years old, you wrote a school report that would end up changing your life forever. Tell us a little bit how Plant for the Planet came to be and how it's grown in these past 11 years. Well, back then I was supposed to give a presentation in my class, and when I prepared that presentation about climate change, I found out about Vangari Mataya, Kenyan, who had planted 30 million trees uh, in 30 years. And I thought that we should help her and plant trees as well. Um, so a few days after that talk, my classmates and I planted a few trees. Other schools started joining us as well. And this is how Plant for the Planet slowly spread, originally as a competition among schools in, in Germany and increasingly children, youth all across the world joined us. After one year, we had planted about 50,000 trees. After three years, one million. And today we've got about 70,000 members in 66 countries that plant trees with us. What's that one thing in these past 11 years that you're most proud of? One of the projects that, that's most important for us is what we do in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. There we have our reforestation project which is about 22,000 hectares large, which is about 50,000 soccer fields. And what we're doing there um, is restoring degraded and destroyed forests. And we currently have about 100 employees there that plant on average one tree every 15 seconds. That's about 6,000 trees a day, or about 2 million trees a year. 100 employees plant 6,000 trees a day. Exactly. That's incredible. And that includes the, the tree nurseries, the actual planting of these trees, and then caring for these trees as they mature. We set that project up originally to create a, a model project for efficient and effective tree planting. To show that it's possible to plant trees on a large scale with little money and a high survival rate. And we've now achieved a survival rate of 94% for the trees we plant there. Wow, 94%. What, do you know what the survival rate for a tree just in nature is? It, it depends a lot. The average survival rate of other restoration projects in the area is about 22%. What made you personally want to get involved in climate change at such a tender age? Well, originally, when I was a kid, the polar bear was my favorite animal. And, and when I gave that first presentation back then in my fourth grade class, I found out that the polar bear was in danger. So I wanted to do something to save the polar bear. And my first presentation back then was called How to Save the Polar Bear. But of course, soon after, we understood that this isn't really about the polar bear. It's about our future, because it's us humans and our generation in particular that's going to suffer most from the climate crisis. And climate change is simply 
pro uh, one of the biggest challenges we face and that our generation faces. And tree planting is one of the most effective things we can do to tackle climate change. So you have this specific goal of a trillion trees or 150 trees per person. That's 150 trees for every person in the world. What would happen to our planet if you're able to achieve this number? So our goal is to plant these trillion trees because that's a maximum number of trees we could restore globally. And just to give you a sense of the scale, we currently have about 3 trillion trees. So it's essentially 30% extra. And if we manage to plant these trillion trees, they would capture about a quarter of human-made carbon emissions. So they wouldn't solve the climate crisis, but they would be a, a sort of time joker, giving us a bit more time to reduce our global carbon emissions, uh, especially with countries like the US, but also uh, many other countries like Germany lagging behind and implementing their Paris pledges. So these are the, the promises these governments made as part of the Paris Agreement of 2015 um, to solve the climate crisis. So since so many countries are behind in implementing their pledges, we need time jokers to be able to prevent um, runaway climate change. So your organization, Plant for the Planet, the members that are, that are part of your organization are given the specific title of Climate Justice Ambassador. Why that term? Well, we talk about climate justice because climate is also a social issue. Because the people that contributed least to causing the climate crisis will be the ones that suffer most from the consequences. It was mainly the global north that caused the climate crisis through decades, even two centuries of carbon emissions. But it is the global south that has the least ability to adapt to the climate crisis and will suffer most from drinking water shortages, from droughts that cause food shortages and so on. So this is why we really try to emphasize the social aspect and the poverty dynamic of climate change. Obviously when, you're, when climate change is such a large complex issue, there's a lot of things that people can do. Why did you settle on trees? Trees are probably the, the simplest thing we can do to fight the climate crisis and the easiest thing everyone can do. And the beauty about trees is that they are the only machines we currently have that can capture the carbon that we emit. How do you decide where to prioritize where you put the trees? I mean, does it really matter where you, where you plant them? It matters an incredible amount where we plant trees. Just to give you one example, if you plant a tree in the tropics, they capture about four times as much carbon than we, when you plant that tree in northern Germany, simply because the tree grows all year, grows much faster, and because of that accumulates more biomass and more carbon from the atmosphere. So that's just one example of how incredibly important it is to pick the right locations um, for these trees. So we rely heavily on research um, with an institute we collaborate with um, based in ETH in Zurich um, that developed for us maps that show where current forests exist and especially also where we should prioritize restoration in the future. So when you decide that you want to reforest or, or address a specific area. How do you do that? I mean, obviously there's a lot of study and, and research that goes into where, but then tactically, I, I don't think you can just roll in and start putting trees in the ground. I mean, maybe somebody owns the land, maybe it's owned by the government. How, did, how does that process work? The land use models across the world in which 
force can be restored often very dramatically. In some countries, governments have fantastic tools that set aside certain lands just for forest restoration, where the government uh, is really good at protecting these, uh, these lands, in which we can then just restore forests on government's lands, knowing that the government will protect these forests in the long run. In other countries where that is not the case, we try to make sure that the land on which forest restoration takes place is then owned by environmental organizations, for instance, that can then take care of the forest protection. So considering the, the broad ecosystem of climate science, is there a specific technology that you're excited about that could be applied either for your project or, again, just to, to help solve this challenge that we face as a, as a people? One fascinating thing I'm following quite closely right now is the attempts to use drone technology to facilitate tree planting in far-off regions where it's very difficult to manually plant trees. There's a fantastic company called Biocarbon Engineering that is attempting to build these drones to allow for such tree planting projects. I'm really excited to see how they develop and if this can be a major part of the solution. So you've built this network of, of thousands of climate activists between 9 and 12 years old. How do you continue to get younger kids invested in your mission and how do you keep them motivated in the face of opposition and slow progress. How are you motivating the team and the group? Because this is gonna be hard, right? This is gonna be a lifelong struggle. Certainly. So what we do is we organize Plant for the Planet Academies. These are one-day workshops by, at which we always bring together about 80 different kids from, from lots of different schools. And on that day, they learn what climate change is, why it's so important to plant trees, and then they practice giving presentations, they think about how they can organize tree planting projects, how they can involve other children and youth to work with them, how they get the media to report about them, and so on. And at the end of that ac academy, each one of them becomes a climate justice ambassador and receives their certificate. And after that, our ambassadors organize themselves in, in groups, in local clubs, and then try to work together to organize tree planting projects, to give presentations in schools, and so on. And Getting lots of kids to work together, I think, is the key. It's much harder to, to do all of this on your own. And I think the beauty of tree planting is that the impact is so easily measurable and so clearly positive. So even though climate change in general is such an incredibly difficult issue to tackle, tree planting itself is much, much easier and much more motivating in that regard. Are there other examples of children that are in your program that are addressing either world leaders or, or captains of industry that have impressed you and, and you, know, you feel a sense of pride and ownership around that? I've met so many amazing children and youth that are part of Plant for the Planet that do just amazing things in their countries. On, on three occasions, our members have spoken at the UN General Assembly. In lots of different countries, our members have had the opportunity to speak in front of their national parliaments or just sit down with their presidents and trying to convince them to invest more in tree planting. So we've got an incredible network of children and youth all across the world, and I'm constantly impressed by all the things they do. I think that we have incredible opportunities today to socially organize and get lots of children and youth involved. I am myself surprised how much people are willing to listen to children and youth in what they have to say, especially in regards to, to climate change. And, and another thing I think is really important is to not just demand 
that something happens, which of course is really important, but set a positive role model. If we were just a few kids back then that, that asked others to plant trees, I think we would have had far smaller impact than we had by planting trees ourselves and then also demanding that governments, companies, organizations all do more in terms of tree planting. So somebody who is clearly a model of, of social change and, and taking action, what do you see or what have you seen in the past 11 years that has you most hopeful for the future? I'm certainly constantly impressed by all these children youth all across the world at Plant for the Planet, but also in lots of similar organizations that do incredible things. And that, that gives me hope. But beyond that, even though climate change is a hugely dramatic and hugely dangerous problem, we are seeing first signs um, that we can be hopeful that we will be um, successful in addressing it. The 2015 Paris Agreement is an incredibly important step towards addressing climate change. And even though the US tragically is currently not implementing their pledges, many other countries are. And these are incredibly important steps towards addressing the problem. And on top of that, we are seeing that for the past three years, global greenhouse gas emissions did not increase. They remained steady. Of course, we have to reduce them drastically in order to successfully stop climate change. But the fact that they didn't rise for the last three years is already a very positive message. What would you consider to be your toughest challenge facing your, your group today? Well, in some countries, especially the US, climate denial is probably our biggest challenge. Because how can we mobilize effective action when we can't, in some countries, can't agree um, that we are facing a serious problem. But luckily, this is not the case in, in all countries, in many, many Western European countries especially. There's almost universal acceptance that climate change is a serious issue, so it's less of a problem there. The second biggest challenge we face is in scaling up our tree planting efforts is funding. We currently are planting two million trees um, on the Yucatan Peninsula every year with costs of about 2 million euros um, to do so, but we could easily scale up these efforts with uh, a bit more funding. And tree planting efforts around the world face similar challenges. So for an audience of largely business executives and, and leaders, what would you say to them about how they can get involved, either personally or with the resources of their company? With countries and governments globally doing far too little to address climate change, what we need is companies to take the lead and companies being the positive role models. So the best thing any company can do is voluntarily becoming climate neutral. So that means that the company reduces their carbon, its carbon emissions as much as possible, but the emissions that you cannot avoid, you compensate through, for instance, tree planting. So we need to get as many companies all across the world to become carbon neutral that way. So we can only encourage anyone to find a tree planting project to support. Ideally, you would want to look for a project that also provides you the carbon certificates that go along with it. And if you can't find a project near where you are, you can certainly also do it with us. So anybody who takes on a great struggle like this has wonderful days that everything went right or, or you achieve a milestone um, and then there are days that nothing went right and you just you start to question even whether it makes sense to continue 
Talk to me a little bit about one of those harder days that you just, you, you, you were faced with some challenges and it didn't work out and what pulled you through to the other side to continue the momentum and continue working? One of my toughest days I remember was about six years ago, I think, when we had prepared for many months um, for a conference. And it was a conference at, at which the CEOs of 40% of the world's chocolate um, producers um, came together. And we got the opportunity to go give a speech there. And the idea was to encourage these companies to give 0.01% of their turnover to plant for the planet so we can use that to plant trees. We called that the future fee. And, but not a single company um, wanted to support us. From the hundreds of companies of all sizes that were there at the conference. So that was hugely disappointing. But then afterwards, one of our ambassadors said, let's make our own chocolate. And um, we laughed at that at first, but that turned into the change chocolate, which is now actually the most sold fair trade chocolate in Germany. And the most important thing is that from each bar of chocolate sold, 30% go to plant for the planet. And with that money, we plant trees. So with every five bars of chocolate um, sold, we can plant a tree. And that's currently our main, one of our main funding sources for the restoration, the forest restoration we do on the Yucatan Peninsula. So many of our listeners today may be interested in, in helping the cause. Is there a URL or a link that you w- would want to share with them and to, that's easy and simple to remember and, and they could go and see how they can participate? Certainly. We just launched an app which makes it as easy as possible for anyone to join in in our efforts. It's at trilliontreecampaign.org and you can set up your personal profile, um, which is essentially your tree counter. And then you can count all the trees you plant yourself. And if you can't plant trees yourself, you can just donate to one of many fantastic tree planting projects on the platform. So I want to thank you for taking the time with us today. It's been a very interesting conversation. Uh, I wish you nothing but wild success in the future. And and I, I eagerly anticipate the day when you pass the trillion tree mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Felix Finkbeiner for spreading the message that trees, the Earth's natural machines, can go a long way in conserving the health of the planet. Thank you, too, for being part of our audience. With each episode, we spotlight insights, stories, and analysis about data science, location intelligence, and other forces and trends driving digital transformation. To learn more, download our free ebooks, Making Sense of Digital Transformation, at esri.com forward slash where, and Making the Most of the Internet of Things at esri.com forward slash IOT.